This is the Cyclone Fanatic Built to Lead podcast series. Presented by Graphite Construction Group. We build it better. Learn more at graphitegrp.com. Now, here's Chris Williams. What is up, Cyclone Nation? Welcome to a brand new podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We're actually launching a new podcast series today, and I'm excited to tell you about it. It's one of the things that I became passionate about during the pandemic, you know, reading books, doing, you know, we had to re redo everything we do here at Cyclone Fanatic, really, and uh, it's leadership, and it's um, forward thinking and positive thinking and all, all that type of stuff, and we have a great new partner. Uh, I call him a partner because that's exactly what the Graphite Construction Group is. They're formerly the Roshan Corporation. They're passionate about this topic as well. So what I'm going to do is once a month, I'm going to have a different guest come on, and we're going to talk about um, all kinds of stuff. Like It's not just exclusively on leadership, but that's one of the things that I'll focus on. Uh, a lot of the people who I'll bring on are, are great leaders, and, and how do they how do they grow in, in that sense, and how do they develop great cultures with whatever they do? And there's nobody... Better to bring on the podcast for the first episode of the Built to Lead podcast series here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network than Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. This is a guy who Matt is really, um, uh, I don't want to be too, you know, hyperbolic about this. I don't believe I am. He's really changed my life in this sense, uh, getting to know him over the years and just the way he goes about things. And we, we, we often talk about uh, challenges and growth and uh, bounce books off of one another, and it's and it's been really great. And I always want Iowa State fans to really know that side of Matt Campbell. And these podcasts that I do with him in the offseason, in my opinion, are the most raw that you see from Coach. He's pretty raw on those Monday night calling shows, I think. Um, I, these are really a different type. Those are generally about football. We get into Iowa State football here today, no doubt. Uh, talk about the greatest season in Cyclone history. Uh, but it's an inside look at what was going on within that program. On the same day we recorded this, uh, Dennis Dodd from CBS reported that Iowa State had, quote, by far uh, the fewest positive COVID tests in college football this year. And, and how did that happen? That didn't just happen magically. It wasn't a fluke. Why? Why did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, it's one of the things that Matt and I really get into. And then the future and the growth of the Iowa State football program. I think it's a really good interview. And one of the cool things that the Graphite Construction Group is doing with the sponsorship of this podcast is every guest that I bring on, the Graphite Construction Group is going to donate $500 to a charity of their choice. So not only are we going to bring you great uh, content here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network that tens of thousands of you will listen to, but we're also going to uh, be helping our local community at the same time. So thank you to Graphite Construction Group for that. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship of this new podcast series. Again, we're going to do, we'll aim for once a month. Uh, we may do more in the off season. Um, you know, when, when you guys are more starved for content, we'll see. But I'm really excited about this. So here we go. 
Uh, thanks to our friends at Graphite Construction Group. Without any further ado, my conversation with Iowa State head football coach, Matt Campbell. All right, guys. Well, it's uh, early February. We like to do this annually, and I appreciate uh, main man, Iowa State head coach, Matt Campbell, for giving us some time today. Coach, uh, how you doing, man? It's been a, been a really long time. Yeah, doing good and great to see you and, and obviously great to talk to you. We, uh, how, we, how you doing on these Zoom calls? You got this thing figured out now? Like, is this yeah. second nature to you? Yeah, man, this has been uh, the new normal for for a long time. So I, last March, I, I didn't even know what Zoom was. <laughs> you know, by the end of March, I was a master of it. So so we we've gotten we've gotten a long way on Zoom calls. Uh, let's just I want to do like some macro stuff with you, and then I'll get a little bit into more football type stuff. But I just what I know you went away for a while. You like to do that after the season. What? reflections have you had I guess maybe personally of the program uh just at any since the fiesta bowl what if you if you reflected on just how tough the year was and how rewarding it was yeah you know I, I I'll be honest with you you know I, I think maybe one of the most enjoyable years that I've ever had in terms of coaching you know I, I think um you know, I, I think from from my end of it, really, even the challenge of leading young men through March, April, and May—it's um, really why you coach, and, it, and in a lot of ways, it's why you coach at this level. Because I think that those were really hard, challenging times for our, for our young kids, and, and really for our coaching staff too. Um, and you know, we're fortunate that we've got really good people to lead with, and um, you know, I, I think we we knew that hard times were coming and that there were going to be real challenges and that we were going to have to rise up and lead through. And, you know, I think that's the greatest gift we have is we've got great people. Um, it's not just about one person. It's about all of us. And, you know, we've been able to come together and grow together through this process. And so I think when you sit at the end of it, you say, man, what, what a great reward um, that it was just to go through it. Um, because I think it forced all of us to really grow myself, our, our, our program. And I think the individuals within the program, we were all able to grow immensely through what transpired the last nine months. And, you know, I, I think I said early on in this process, you're either going to grow through this process or you're going to die, right? Like it's mm -hmm. just one or the other. And I, I don't mean to be so gruesome about it, but I think that's just the way of the world. Like adversity is going to hit really hard times are going to come and you either have to succumb to that and understand that and growth, be willing to grow through it. Or if you don't adapt, change and grow, then I think, you know, obviously we're a society in a world where once growth stops, uh, we start to go the other way. And and I, I think that's the one thing I'm probably most proud of is that we were willing to grow through it, um, all of us together. And, and and really, I think that's probably the, the enjoyment that I, I take from it is we were able to use the adversity and the challenge and really grow uh, at a time we needed to continue to grow as a football program and, and really culturally. What about you um, personally from last time I – we did one of these to, to now so much has happened. How are you different? 
Oh, I, I just think perspective, you know, I, I think from my end of it, um, you know, Chris, I said this, like when in, when in football in our world, and I think you've got, you've got pretty good perspective of our world where, you know, I, I, like I look at myself and, you know, I, I got, I get named as a head football coach at 31 years old. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, like for me, it's been nonstop a hundred miles an hour um, for the, the nine years prior to, you know, this, this past football season. And when do you ever get it to put, put on pause, really evaluate who you are, evaluate where you are in terms of your career in a program. And then how do you make the great changes um, to continue to move yourself forward? And I think that's one of the things that, you know, probably came for me during that quarantine period from March, April, and May um, was a lot of reflection, a lot of evaluation, not just me as a football coach, but me as a father and me as a husband and me as, you know, a, a human being of, man, what are you about? What do you stand for? And what are you trying to do and, and become? And, you know, I, I think that was really big for me. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I, there were some areas that I needed to continue to grow and mature. And as I really looked at it, and, um, you know, I think that's one of the great blessings that came out of the last year for me is I'm really grateful for some of that reflection. And so I, I, I think, you know, as a leader, as a football coach, but also as a father and a husband, you know, I think there were some real value systems that I was able to sink back in and say, man, this is really what I want to become. And this is really what I stand for. Yeah, the leadership aspect has been fascinating to me to watch uh, from afar throughout all this, because it, it really seemed like I mean, I, I know just from st- talking to you when this whole thing began, how you were repro- approaching it. But then it really did trickle down to your players and um, and obviously your coaching staff too, but you guys did really well during this COVID thing. I know it wasn't perfect. Uh, it's impossible to be, but looking back at that now, I mean, it really a monumental task. Some programs had to shut down. They couldn't play in bowl games. How, how'd you guys do it? I mean, I, I know that's a really broad question, but I, I think that it deserves to be celebrated as much as the victories on the field. Yeah, you know, I I think, Chris, I think at the very beginning, you know, really evaluating what what landscape are we getting into and what were the what were the biggest rocks that could, you know, debilitate the growth of our football program. And I think the first thing that you saw in this in this landscape that was coming our way was, number one, the ability to just be available to be able to uh, get back into our sport and to be able to, you know, perform and continue to grow within our sport. And I I think that wasn't a a piece for us where when, you know, football got essentially taken away for us in three, for three months, you know, March and April and May. And, you know, you said two things, number one, how do we, continue to grow in our relationship with our players and as a coaching staff. I think that was really big for us. And then number two was how do we develop a plan that allows our kids to stay as safe as they possibly can and be willing to buy into something that's going to be really hard for 18 to 22 year olds to buy into. And that's kind of creating a bubble 
of, you know, hey, what are you willing to sacrifice and give up to be able to grow in the sport that you have played as a young child? And, you know, I, I think those two things were were really big for us to to do. And one couldn't happen without the other, right? The, the number one, that this care factor in this really this unification of our team and our program had to had to come in a very unique way because you couldn't just go meet with them and you couldn't be face-to-face contact with them. And yet, you know, I, I still think being available and having constant communication with our kids was absolutely critical. And our, our staff from our strength and conditioning staff to our coaching staff did an incredible job keeping personal touch points on a daily basis with our football team for three months and their willingness to sacrifice to do that. And equally the willingness of our kids willing to allow our coaches and our staff to continue to be involved in their day-to-day life. I thought that was really, really big for us. And I think what it gave us then was a sense of unification when we came back in, in late May and early June to say, you know what, look what we've done. Look what we've been willing to sacrifice and grow. And maybe the rest of the world didn't grow that, you know what, there's a chance we're going to play football. And, you know, if we're going to play, we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice some of these liberties that we were used to as 18 to 22 year olds, let alone us as fathers and husbands and coaches of man going out and doing some of the things that we may want to do. And we're going to have to do this and we're going to have to be willing to do this for the common good of man, let's go chase greatness and let's chance let's chase this opportunity to do special things with a special group of people. And, you know, fortunately we were able to rally around that mission. My, one of my analysis points for the majority of the year was just, I mean, I, I felt it coach in, in my own life. Like you, you just, you never know what tomorrow holds. Um, there were times where, you know, life's really hard at home. Uh, you have kids home all the time. Daycare is closed. You're trying to do your job. People are losing their jobs. People are losing loved ones. And, you know, a really bright spot for a lot of people this year was Iowa State football. The fact that you guys were – you won the Fiesta Bowl is one thing. The fact that you were out there playing on Saturdays, just – did you guys grasp that in, like, your team that, you know, for the three, four hours on Saturdays during this time of difficulty for so many people that it was really a joy and, and really brought brightness to a lot of people during a dark time? You know, I, I think that that part, Chris, is is hard to grasp when you're in the trenches of just trying to to show up every day. But boy, I think one of the things that we celebrated was just the opportunity to be with each other. You know, and in a world where um, you know so many of our normalities were getting taken away, and you know, I think you bring in a great point too, Chris. Is man, some of those those challenges that were happening um, and that are continuing to happen to our society that we're living in today is loss of loved ones, loss of jobs. Some of our 18 to 22 year old players were dealing with those very things in their own personal lives. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think as the season grew and some of the positive things were growing with us, I think we were starting to appreciate the impact in a positive way we were having on some of the families and some of the loved ones that we had and were, were a part of our lives in terms of our own culture. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we'll look back on this and as we start to hear some of the stories of some of our fans, and some of the 
people that have gone through tough times and maybe we were a beacon of hope through that, um, that this, this group can really understand what they were really able to do. Um, you're right. It wasn't just about winning football games. It was way bigger than that for this team and this group. All right, let's get into um, a little more football stuff. I, I want to talk real quick before we get into the X's and O's aspect. I have a couple of points on the season that I want to run by you. You, you kind of went into, I don't know how to describe it, and I don't even know how much you get into it, but a little bit of like a lockdown mode just to focus, I know, throughout the season. Um, did that – what did that do for you as a football coach? Like, is that something that you, you're like, wow, this worked. I'm going to carry this on. Like how, how did this change you? I know I did as a leader and a man, but as a football coach. Yeah, I, I just think it was again, you know, there, there's so many hours in a day and there's, there's, I think the ability to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Chris, you and I talked about a great book that I had read, you know, a year ago at this time that was so pivotal was stillness is the key. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think finding the, the ability to stay on task and in the moment is so critical and especially um, in my position. And yet also you're, you're, you're trying to teach that to the 18 to 22 year olds. And, and I think as, our program grows, grows, the challenges grow around you, the ability to stay on task and to not drift is so critical to your success. And we're in a society right now where drifting is so easy. Twitter, social media, the cell phone, um, you know, all things that you, you can look at and get, get wrapped up in it. And the reality of it, none of it matters, but, but yet it, it drifts us from where we need to be to, you know, all of a sudden in the things that allow you to be, you know, not present of the current situation. And, and I think it was really big for me. I think it was a really great growth area from and even in my own world. But I think also then how can I help our program and the young men in our program be able to find that same um those same moments and those same time to be able to keep perspective and stay in the moment rather than lose it. And I I think those are real challenges, not only um, currently, but as we continue to move forward of, of, for myself, but also for our staff and our players to find that, uh, find those moments and say, stay stillness um, in the heat of the moment. All right. uh, Let's do some football. Um, I I had circled, I'm not going to go in chronological order here. I, I have halftime of the Baylor game circled as like is a key moment in your season. Um, I mean, you guys really couldn't have played worse uh, the first half against Baylor. Baylor's a hungry team. They came in absolutely wanting to beat you guys and spoil what was brewing in Ames. And I don't, coach. Just I, it was a weird feeling. We did the we started doing these live halftime reports because fans can't be at the game, so we were doing a basically a thing for fans to be able to communicate. And it was a I had a weird sense um, at halftime of that game. Like I, I wasn't worried. I, I I was like, there's one quarterback that I've ever covered where I know that he's just he could throw four interceptions. And then he's going to completely forget about it and come out in the second half, and that's Brock Purdy. And you guys uh, responded to that challenge. I think a lot of people would point at Louisiana uh, and how you bounce back from that. But the halftime of the Baylor game, to me, Coach, what what was that conversation like? And um, I don't know. Do you do you reflect on that 
is a pivotal point of the season as well? Yeah, you know, I, I think there there are so many. And you're right. I, I think you, you look back in that game and, you know, I, that's that's what's funny about our, our sport, right? Like football is a funny game because everybody wants – you know, I, I always chuckle, man, you got to get off to a great start this week. And well, no kidding. You know, I mean, like, I mean, come on, like we're, we're everybody's that's what's great about the sport of football. Like it's so unpredictable. And the, the reality of it is, is bad things are going to happen in a football game. You know, you, you, you even look at like that performance by Brock, like if you really go back and study the film, are they Brock Purdy's interceptions or are they Chase Allen didn't run a great route? Yeah. It, um, yeah. Joe Smith didn't go up for the ball. Is it like, you know, like, like, like again, and that's why I chuckled when it kind of happened because I, I really think, you know, and, and that's not to say, Hey, we're not going to challenge Brock to be better, or he could have been better in, in, in some of those moments. But the reality of it is you, you're really an inch off in, in some of those situations. And, um, you know, I, I chuckled because I, I did say to Brock on the sideline right before we went in for halftime, I said, man, like, well, you threw three interceptions. And like, if we're betting, like, I don't know if you could really throw another one. So you might as well just keep playing, right? Like, like yeah. it, the odds are in your favor that it's going to start to go better than it has, you know? And, and you know, I, I do think it's the first time that I've seen him smile in a football game and almost you know what? Like, you're right. Like, you know, like it is what it is. And, and Brock's no different than I am than, than really you are, Chris, in your profession. Like I, I know you, you want to be the best and you put a lot of emotional um, toll in being the best at what you do. And, and Brock is Brock is the greatest competitor that I've ever been around. I think what he's done here. Um, I mean, man, in three years, he's rewritten every record and will go down as the best football player in the history of this school when it's all said and done. And yet at a place like this, and you and I have talked Chris at times, boy, that's a lot of pressure that you carry because now everybody wants to criticize every throw you make and everything you do. And that's hard. That's hard for, that's hard for me and you to deal with, let alone an 18 to 22 year old young person to deal with. And I think when Brock Purdy all of a sudden came back to the Brock Purdy that I knew as a freshman that could have cared less what anybody said or what anybody thought about him and just played. I thought, man, you know what? We got a chance to maybe be pretty special here down the stretch. And, you know, I, I think you saw that really from, you know, that third interception on in that game. And I think you saw a guy play as good as he's played um, ever in his career and, and, and really was critical for us, not only in the second half of that game, but I think our team fed off of his, mm-hmm. man, you know what, we're rolling and, I, and I'm going to go and I'm going to go play my game. And you know what, it's not always going to be perfect, but I'm going to play as hard as I can and, and go play and have fun. And that's really, I think, was the critical moment in that game is, man, you know what, bad things are going to happen. And we've proven the ability to respond when bad things happen. And that's the key to a great football. Um, not that bad things are or are not going to happen. They are going to happen. Well, you guys did that too. Um, the Louisiana game was so weird because of the start of the season and everything that happened leading. And we found out, and we all knew it going into that, if you were paying attention, that they're a pretty good football team, right? Um, bouncing back to beat TCU too. I mean, that, that was a – to me, that was a moment that that's not an easy task to, to go down 
to Fort Worth when everybody's doubting you like that. Um, going up against the Gary Patterson defense. Um, I, I, I don't know, Coach. That's I knew you guys were good even after the Louisiana game. I, I knew what you guys had. Um, to me, when you won that game, I was like, okay, it's on now, right? Like, it, it's on. They, they bounced back. They did what they had to do. Now something can happen. Did you – how do you analyze that? Yeah, I, I thought, to me, you're right. And, and I'll be really honest with you. When I got into the locker room after the Louisiana game, and I, I don't know the – Number one, let's let's give Louisiana credit. They're a really good football team, yeah. and they proved to be a very good football team for for the remainder of the football season. But I will also say, you know, three weeks prior to that, you know, it was pretty much evident that our football team that that the Big Twelve was going to shut down. They weren't going to play football um, for the first time. We were dealing with, man, now what are we going to do? Even to the point of conversation with our seniors of, hey, listen, like, I'm sorry. You know, we thought we were going to play. We're not playing. What are you going to do? Are you going to come back for another year? To the first time that we ever allowed ourselves the thought process of, you know, what football is not going to get played when the Big Ten shut down and the Pac-12 shut down. And and it sure looked like that was what was going to occur within our own conference. And so, you know, um, the only time we had COVID issue uh, at all was, was, you know, man, you start fall camp and, you know, you're down almost 40 guys, you know. So you, they're, they're, we're going into our first football game where you're, you know, almost a third of your football team really was their first week of practice. And, you know, I, I was really proud of our kids because we played. And you know what? We needed to play. We needed to go through what's a football season that this time – Go and then all oh, by the way, man, you run into a stadium and there's nobody there, and all of a sudden it's almost like yeah. a bizarre situation. I I didn't do a good job as the head football coach in that game, um, and you know what? It was it was one of those situations that um, there are no excuses. It just it, it was what it was. But when we got in after that game, there was no there was not a finger point. There wasn't even a hint. Uh, I, there wasn't even an ounce of hesitation in terms of our players. And I, you know, I met with our seniors on Monday after that game and we had a bye, bye, if you remember mm-hmm. after the game, before we kind of got into conference play and boy, I mean, how are seniors, the confidence that they had um, in themselves, in myself and our staff and where we were going, I said, man, we got a chance to do some special things right now. And, you know, I, I think we learned from some of the things that we needed to learn from that game. I thought as coaches and certainly the leadership in our program, they, they gave us ourselves a chance to really kind of pick ourselves up off the mat and, and respond. And, and like I said, man, you, you would have loved to win the first game. You would have loved to, to do it, all those great things. But, man, we didn't. So how do you respond to adversity? And, I, again, I think it showed a lot about the character of this team because you, you are correct, man, TCU – Again, one of the most talented teams in our conference, no question. Um, you and I both know the respect factor you got for a Gary Patterson football team. And then to go down there and win, which we hadn't done a whole lot since I've been here and, and maybe in the in our program's history, and, and to be able to go against a team like that and play the way we did and, and kind of respond, I thought that was really big um, just for the psyche and the confidence of this football team moving forward of who we who we were and who we wanted to become. Well, this this actually kind of, I wouldn't say got forgotten about throughout the season, but 
not only did you lose the game on the scoreboard against Louisiana, you lost Downing on the offensive line, who I think anyone would have probably – you would have said probably going into the season he was your best offensive lineman, right? No question. Okay, no so question. so he goes down, and it's looking pretty bleak because we're just – you know, hadn't heard of, you know, hadn't seen a ton of these guys who were going to be backing him up. Simmons, you know, um, and that group came together and had one hell of a season, Matt. I mean, I, a guy I keep circling uh, is one of the guys who impressed me the most this year was Sean Foster, just the development for him to be able to step in and play um, as a senior. Hadn't, I, I don't know, it was losing Downing and then having, you know, very able, warm body guys to plug in there, Matt, this is what you've been talking about for years with what you want from your offensive line. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think again, I, I get it. You know, there, there were times where people asked me about the offensive line a year ago and I said, man, I, I think we got a chance to be better yeah. than we've ever been. And I, I know sometimes those comments, you know, like, I will tell some truths about the football team to the media, right? And if you listen, you can figure it out. And, and, and you know, like, like that's an area that I really was confident in, in, in twofold. Number one, um, I really think Jeff Myers is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And, you know, Jeff is a young guy that that was probably a really risky move from the outside world three years ago when Tom left and you, you, you name a quality control coach at that time as the offensive line coach in his first job here. But, you know, Jeff is one of those guys that was a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal player, um, an overachiever, and a guy that had incredible relationships with players. He was a two-time captain at Toledo. And I just felt like, you know what, what that group needed was unity. They needed somebody to take them and develop this this is who we are and this is what we stand for. And, you know, I, I really think Jeff recruited his kind of guy his period of time. And I also think Jeff did an incredible job of developing those players. And you can almost see it at the tail end of, uh, you know, the, the 2000 and the really the 2019 season that in some ways you went to practice and maybe some of those guys that were on the two group were better than some of those guys that were on the one group. And, you know, like, um, and those were guys that have been in our program now two, three years, and they, they had a high expectation and they wanted to take the next step. And so, you know, I, I found it really fascinating that when we came back from those three months off, the area of growth that the offensive line had made, even though such a critical time for the offensive line is really the time that they missed really March, April, and May with a strength and conditioning coach who, oh, by the way, is one of the best strength and conditioning coaches of developing the offensive and defensive line as anybody in the country. And they didn't get that that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, they had to do it. You know, some of them had weights. Some didn't have weights. But, man, these guys all responded. And, you know, I, I think for me, I, I knew we had a chance to really move forward. And I thought Jeff did a great job. I thought Dave Andrews did a great job. And then I thought – two guys that were pillars of strength for us in that, you know, you're right. Sean Foster did a great job. He played some football. Sean, in my opinion, um, became what he had the ability to become. Yeah. But there were two guys that I thought were absolute superstars for us. And 
you know, number one, Colin Newell, you know, I think for him coming back, I, again, I think that was a huge injury two years ago in 2019, started every game at center as a redshirt freshman, really played great on that 2018 football team, um, really was probably our highest graded lineman as a redshirt freshman. And then I think people forgot about him. He gets hurt in the UNI game mm-hmm. and Dean and, and we lose him for the season. That was a critical loss to, to our football team. And Colin came back and had a, had a remarkable season. Um, you know, still as a young player whose sky is the limit for his talent level and where he can go. Um, but I thought was really an anchor for the team. And then when we lost Downing and then, you know, Derek Schweiger, here's a kid that walked on, um, was going to go to Wisconsin Whitewater, um, had no offers. And to be quite honest with you, came here. The guy that, that really convinced him to come here was Coach Myers, you know, as a quality control coach and just went to work at his craft and you know you kind of felt Derek Schweiger a year ago coming on and it's like one of those guys that that just kept saying like man I'm going to get noticed I'm going to stick out I'm going to demand it to be one of the best well man lo and behold here that guy earns a starting position nobody had even heard of him he earns the starting position Um, he gets earns the right to go on scholarship and then it's like it's kind of like the reflection of our program man you go in the dark you work for what you what you want to become and you earn the right to become what you want to become. And Derek did that. And man, the season that he had, you know, here's a guy that started the first game at right guard. Trevor goes down, he moves to the next game at left guard, you know, in the bowl game swings over to right tackle. Um, I mean, and the guy played at an all conference level every step of the way for this football team. And so, you know, I, I thought we had some heroic efforts and growth and then you're right. Daryl Simmons steps in, I think his talent is maybe as special as anybody that we have in terms of talent. Now, what he develops to become, we'll see. Uh, you know, then you lose. You know, you lose Ramos in terms of you know the Texas Tech game, and you know then you get another really talented young player in Jake Remsburg, and he's able to step in and played outstanding for this football team all year. Um, you know, that, those things don't happen without great coaching. And it doesn't happen again with the commitment of our strength and conditioning staff back in that offensive line and the confidence I think they were able to give them as well. The uh, uh, This is going to shock you, Coach, but I, I have a new favorite player, and he's not a defensive lineman or a tight yeah. end. That is shocking. <laughs> I see yeah. <laughs> Young's my guy. I, yeah. I, I yeah. could watch I, – I mean, for real, I – I'll, I'll just watch Aishim Young fly around, especially when I go back and watch the games for the second and third time. I just love watching number one fly around on defense. He He's special. He is special. You know, I, I think he plays the game that you, you know, man, you, you want to play. You know, he can play sideline to sideline. He's physical. Um, he's also athletic enough that he can run. Um, with almost, you know, everybody within our conference. And, you know, he's a guy that has all the tools to, you know, really, you know, continue to play at what I would say is elite as any level of any defensive back that we've had here. You know, Aishim has to continue to grow. And and in some ways, is still a very young football player. We Mm -hmm. saw some of that youth. Um, 
you know, come out in some areas where, man, we just got to be better, you know, and, and it's, some of it's technical, some of it's fundamental, but boy, you know, you just talk about an old school football player that is going to, has the ability to come and in, into the box and, and be an elite run defender, but yet also is savvy and skilled enough to be a great pass defender. Um, it's kind of what you want in a safety. And we're really fortunate that, you know, he is continuing to grow and develop and it'll be fun to watch his growth as well going forward. Okay. So, you guys lose him in that Oklahoma game in the Big 12 championship. I don't need to go into, like, details and stuff, but there, there's one thing that really over the last, I don't know, month um, since the Fiesta Bowl that stood out to me, and I want to notice – I want to I want to pick your brain on it. It just seems to me, Coach, like all these guys who chose to come back and play for another season, uh, if they have a pro future or not, um, whatever, it seems to me like it's a very unified voice of we have unfinished business. Um, even after winning that Fiesta Bowl, which was, you know, something that we at Iowa State have never really dreamed of uh, in the past. Do you, do you get the sense that, that uh, I mean, whatever it was like in that locker room after the Big 12 championship game, do you get that sense too from this group that maybe like on a macro level, this is like another version of the Louisiana game where they came together um, and had a, this great run? It, it seems to me like that loss is an area of growth that's really fueling them going into the offseason. Yeah, I, I think one thing that we've learned here, in, in Chris, you can echo this, you know, and maybe you agree and maybe you don't, but. You know, I think everything that we've had to do has kind of been in uncharted territory. And, um, you know, it was go win a bowl game. It was, man, let's get to the Alamo Bowl. And, and you get there and now you play in a bigger bowl game. And um, then you play Notre Dame last year in a big bowl game. And, you know, like we've had to learn along the way because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're just there's no other way around it. You got to learn through it. You got to grow through it. And then you got to take the lessons learned and have enough humility to step back and say, what did we learn from this? And how can we be better the next time this opportunity comes our way? And I think, you know, for our players that after the big 12 championship game, it was gut wrenching. It, It was to be 32 yards away from, you know, what you set out to do and put yourself in a position to do and to come up short, that's gut wrenching. Um, those are, those are hard, hard lessons and hard, hard things to swallow. Now we also grew immensely along the way and, and, and we're able to do some more really good things for the betterment of the program. But I think we're all set out to, you know, we want to continue to grow to become the absolute best versions of ourselves that we can be. And I, I do think that's one of the great joys that I appreciate about the young men that, that have come back, the young men in our program, um, that nobody's just satisfied with being good enough. Um, you know, I think we want to find ways to continue to be the best. Um, and so, you know, that was really hard. And I, I think really hard pill to swallow. And um, yet, I also felt like we had enough humility as we continued to get farther away from it to set back, look at it, evaluate it for what it was, and then say, man, where are some of those areas that we all need to grow? And it started with myself, right? It started with me 
I think now it's, you know, our, our assistant coaches and then our team to say, where are some of those growth patterns that really need to, to continue to move ourselves forward? But, uh, you know, obviously those, that was a very hard game and um, that was a hard situation to have to go into. And then obviously, you know, at the end of it, fail. You know, we, we didn't get to where we wanted to go in that game. Um, and then how do you learn from it and grow from it and move forward from it? And, and you know, it was great to be able to go play in the Fiesta Bowl and win that game. Um, and that's great to finish the season with a win. But ulti- ultimately, you know, we there's areas we need to continue to grow and want to continue to grow to get where we'd like to be. I think, too, I don't know, this is kind of how I put it in context for my listeners, was just societal we're such an instant gratification society anymore. I During the pandemic, the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, was on, right? Yep. And it, you know what popped for me, Coach, was like back in the day, like we didn't have super teams. You know, like Jordan, it took seven years to win a championship, and there was that build. Okay, first he had to beat the – he had to beat the Celtics or then he had to beat the Pistons. Right. And then you had to, you had to actually get there. And there was this constant build. And I don't know, like Jordan wasn't like recruiting magic Johnson to come play with him in Chicago. You had to grow. And that's a little, the growth of your football program. That's kind of what it reminds me of is okay. We got to the Liberty bowl and won that there's just been, there's been gradual steps along the way. Yeah, and, and and Chris, I think you and I know this. That's the only way to do it here. <laughs> there, yeah. there, there is number one. I, I I think that is the one thing that you reflect on and you are very proud of. Um, we haven't tried to shortcut this. We didn't try to uh, quick fix anything. Um, we weren't here to see, man. This is a stepping stone. We're here to build this thing the right way and do it the right way. And I think that's probably what I'm most proud of is the fact that we have been willing to, and it's been painful, and and sometimes it is painful, and yet without pain, without failure, there is no growth. And I think we've been able to also, man, be willing to endure the pain and and the growth and and be able to watch the growth that's been able to come from the pain and from some of the, the failures that have occurred in terms of you know, what we want to become and where we're trying to go. And so, um, you know, I, I, that part of it is, is it, it is, it's part of the process and part of the process of growing to, to build a program, um, especially here, because you're, you're not, you know, we also have to remind ourselves we are what we are, right? We're, we're not going to be something we're not. We want to be the best version of what we are and the best version of what we are, we're learning is good enough. And I think it took till, you know, this season to understand, you know what, we are good enough. You know, our best is good enough. Now, how do we master the consistency of being our best? And and that, I think, is, is a really fun challenge, a really hard challenge, but a very unique challenge to be in right now within our program. A couple more things for you. One of my favorite aspects of your program is watching John Haycock make adjustments throughout the game. I mean, it... it it's it's like clockwork. I mean, if there's an early touch, it seems like every game coach, like the the opposing offense, starts off fast, and then then you guys clamp down. What is that process like on the headsets? Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for us is is number one identifying, and I think we did a really good job of this over quarantine. 
is getting back to on both sides of the ball. Who are we? What, what, what is our identity? What are we asking our players to do? Simplify and then have answers for our players, you know, throughout a football game. And, you know, I, I think what we found and, and really, you know, really all three phases, even though at times on special teams, it maybe didn't show up uh, till the season as till the season wore on, but on offense and defense, I think it, it showed up immediately was the ability within a football game to make adjustments to what the offense and defense were doing. Well, to be able to make adjustments, you have to know who you are and you have to be simple enough within your base scheme to be able to make those adjustments. And I think that's something where we grew really as a program. And I think we were able, that was evident to, to be seen uh, from from what occurred during games is we were able to make really good adjustments. And I, I think the first thing is, you know, within a game, you know, the conversation is, man, how are these people attacking us? Because what you see, both our offense and defense are very unique. And so what you see on film is really not what you're ever going to get mm-hmm. on Saturday. And so I think you have to have communication. Um, there has to be an understanding of what you're getting. And then that, that has to be communicated. And then you have to be able on a, on the fly, you got to be able to make really quick adjustments to, to help put your players in position to be successful. And I, I think that's where continuity um, has helped us have conversations. I think that's where, um, you know, continuity of language and expectation and knowing what's happening. Those things have been a huge advantage for, you know, the entirety of this program, because I think that's what you see within a game is we do have the ability to adjust and make those adjustments. And that's been big for us. Um, the the other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, you brought up Jeff Myers, uh, a, a move that I kind of circled similar to that. And I was a huge fan of it. I'm a big Taylor uh, Mosier fan. I, I think that he, I know that, what he's brought to your program. And I, I just, I love the move of promoting him to tight ends coach. Um, he's a guy who's been around for a long time. Talk, tell the, tell the fans out there listening um, just how valuable he's been for you guys and why you made this move. Yeah. You know, and, and we almost did it a year ago, you know, Chris, where, you know, Taylor's one of those guys that um, I just have such a sincere appreciation for because he has literally grown um, from day one of being, you know, coming to work for free for us at the University of Toledo to learning in, in terms of our recruiting department to then becoming a graduate assistant to the point now of all of our NFL guys, they come back and they come back to go work on their craft with Taylor. Um, Hakeem Butler, Alan Lazard, um, David Montgomery, they want Coach Mauser because Coach Mauser has learned to become a great craftsman of teaching the skill position of football. And, you know, I, I think not only has he done that, he's proven to be uh, a loyal, be an outstanding in-game football coach and, and see you know, he's been an incredible recruiter. You know, he has been, you know, great eyes for Brock Purdy and relationships with Brock prior to Brock coming, uh, Brees Hall, um, all those things that, that we've asked Taylor to do, he's excelled. And, you know, for me, uh, what a great reward, you know, this past year, putting some of his time with the tight end position, you know, as you really try to loosen up your coordinators on both sides of the football to do their job within the season. 
um, really Taylor had a lot of credit for the development of that tight end room, you know, and um, again, I thought in 2019, those guys were good football players. What you saw in 2020 as you saw guys that were becoming finished products. Well, they became finished products because the time and effort that Taylor put into their individual skill development. And uh, I think when you're a program like ours, again, that word development continues to be thrown around. Maybe as good of a developer as anybody in our program is what Taylor has become. So I think a key, a key aspect of our program, not only now, um, it's past, but certainly our future and just really proud of him and the growth that he's made in our program. Uh, final thing I had. So we're doing this podcast on zoom today. Uh, in the past, I've always come up there, but this is just so, so easy. But I remember back in the day talking to like the Chris ashes of the world, Tony Alford's um, and you would, you would talk about, well, how, you know, how is Baylor able to build up from being winless to, what they eventually be. and those guys would often talk about well i mean on a friday night they're within you know a 50 mile radius of 100 division 1 recruits or whatever to me as an outsider i know that you can't replace face to face interaction but this seems invaluable for a school like iowa state that's a geographic outlier in a league uh, you're in a state that generally uh, i don't know 10 division 1 prospects at a really good year is this is this pandemic going to change recruiting forever to some extent? Well, you know, I, I'll first say I hope so from just the health and well-being of coaches. You know, I, I think in twofold, I think two things that I, I really believe have occurred, um, you know, in terms of the recruiting calendar. Number one, you know, I do think that these Zoom calls and the new way to communicate actually allow you to develop a real relationship with a student athlete and his family, um, the consistency of communication that you can have and see have face-to-face interaction, I do think is really, really important. I think it's very beneficial and I think it allows you to develop real meaningful relationship rather than, man, you come on a junior day and there's 150 guys here and you got, you, you get a 10 minute conversation with this guy and then you're on to the next guy I think it really allows individual communication and and real authentic communication to occur. And then number two, I just think for the health and well-being of our our coaches, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I, I, you go into so many times in college football, you, and you get done with the season. And then next thing you know, your coaches, you get back in January, you would have come back from the bowl game and, you know, a week and a half later, you would have been on the road. Well, man, I do think there is some, there's some, some really holistic view of that. Our coaches have been better fathers and husbands. Um, I think this sport has really paralyzed you from, you know, at times becoming what's most important. You're, you're taking care of everybody else's children and yet who's suffering the most is maybe the people you care about the most at home. And, you know, I think this has allowed us to be at home. I think it's allowed us to, um, you know, have those interactions with the people that we care most about. And I think just the genuine health and well, general health and well-being of our staff has been huge. And I think the also people that benefited has been our, our own players because we've been more available to them, the young people that are in our building and in our facility. Um, I think you saw that even in the spring recruiting model. You know, so many times everybody was so concerned about all these coaches going out and spring recruiting and who was playing by the rules and who wasn't. Well, mm-hmm. 
like, should we be even doing that? Does that even make sense in the reality of it is you probably shouldn't be doing that. If it's, we should probably be sitting and doing it like this in terms of spring recruiting. And that's not to say coaches shouldn't be on the road at, a, at some point in time and going to see these young people in their environment. And it'll be great for the day when young people can get back onto our campuses in, in a very, in their families in a safe setting. But I, I think there's a lot of things hopefully our sport has learned. Um, and that's not, that's just one of them. I think, you know, you, we could do a whole podcast on, man, how do you better from this quarantine of running a football program and how should the rules be put into it to where, you know, the amount of time that maybe the safety and the health and well-being of our players, we've learned a lot about, you know, with giving them more time off and, you know, I, I just think there's so many things we've learned, but I do think this model, Chris, of terms of recruiting, um, not even per se, does it give Iowa State a better advantage because everybody's got a Zoom, everybody can do it. I, I think what it gives you the, the ability to do is maybe find out who these young people are even better, have greater authentic relationship with those young people. And, you know, and then the third piece is it's really helped the, the, the lifestyle and the health of our coaches and their families. And I think when, when you when you look at it like that, man, what what major wins we've actually been able to find during this this last nine months in terms of college football and, and what it really looks like. All right. I got to get a Super Bowl pick. Chiefs are three point favorites. Brady, you know, pretty unbelievable. He's back at, back there with another team. What do, what's your read on the game? Man, I am. I, well, I'm, 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 I'm cheering for Tom Brady. So like okay. I like guys that don't screw up games and I know everybody's going to get, ah, he threw three interceptions. Yeah. He threw them late in the game and when it didn't matter. But, but what I love about Tom Brady is man, the guy knows how to win. And to me, you know, I, I love, I love Tampa on defense. I think they've got the ability to affect the quarterback. I think the guy, Obviously, losing the the tackle is going to be big for Kansas City. I think Patrick Mahomes is an elite player. Um, you know, he's really fun to watch. But I'm cheering for the Bucks, and you know, it's going to be hard for me to bet against Brady. Okay, um, that that's fair. That's fair. Um, I I'm a big um, Patrick Mahomes fan too. So this this is fun. I'm a I'm a I'm a Brady guy as well. I actually read his TB12 book. He's pretty yeah. crazy. Like some of the, you talk about like sacrifice and stuff. Like he's pretty nuts. He's pretty loony when it comes to like the kale smoothies and all that. Yeah. And, and you know, Chris, you look at that though, and you say, I think to, you know, our, our world, our listeners, the people that will listen to this podcast, you're like, gosh, man. But it's like, man, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. To be the best, right. Like, like, what are you like? Here's this, this, like, think about it. this guy's two years older than I am, and he's playing in the Super Bowl with quarterback position. And, and to me, it's like, well, this guy sacrificed everything to be the best and to still be on the field. And it's hard for me to cheer against somebody or to feel like a guy that's willing to do that to become the best is is gonna lose so you know it, it's gonna be a great game i know that i'll i'll get fried because we got probably all these chiefs fans in this in in our kingdom around here but i'm still loyal to my browns but i'm i'm, I'm taking man I'm taking guy brady your browns broke my heart man i jumped on the i told skip i i jumped on the bandwagon they were my they were my team and i love stefanski too because he's an old viking yeah yeah but they yeah. were they're fun yeah. what about your boy well, baker he's really come around 
he's come along and, and again they got a they got a they got a head football coach that's put him in a position to be successful right he is we you and i we've talked about this before chris like man baker mayfield's uber talented he's got an elite arm strength he's got great precision he's got great moxie um and and you know the reality of it is that you know, Kevin Stefanski's come in. He's done an incredible job. He's put him in a great position to be successful. You can see he's done a great job mentoring him from an emotional standpoint. I think you, you saw Baker really kind of some of the things we talked about earlier, man, being present and being mm-hmm. in the moment and rather than, you know, being the, the cool guy on social media or, or being the cool guy at the Indians game. He, he's kind of become the, the guy within himself and has really stayed within himself and played really well. And, you know, it, that that was tough to watch those guys get beat. Um, you know, I, I felt like watching their their game against the Chiefs was was in some gut-wrenching ways reliving the Oklahoma game, you know, because yeah. there, there were moments and opportunities there um, that, that they had to win the game, and, and you give the, give the Chiefs credit. You know, they made the plays at the end of the game to win the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think, again, uh, great lessons and, and fun to watch. I think the whole – playoffs have been really an enjoyed uh, enjoyment to be able to watch and, and fun to watch. And I think this, the Super Bowl will be a great one. All right. Before we let you go, coach, um, I'm, I'm excited about this. So this is the first part of a new podcast series I'm doing. And uh, my sponsor, the graphite construction group is going to put up $500 for every guest that I bring on uh, to donate to a local charity of their choice. So it's awesome. We're going to, uh, entertain some fans here and then also raise money for great causes. And you chose the boys and girls club of Ames. Uh, yeah. I, that's a great organization. I actually about 10 years ago went and did a Christmas thing. Uh, it was at Wilson Toyota and we handed out gifts to all the kids. And th- that's a really great organization. Why does that stand out to you? Yeah. You know, Chris, I, I think, you know, Erica and myself have, have been able to meet so many great people and so many great organizations, not only here in Ames, but really throughout the state of Iowa that are making a real difference. And, you know, I think one locally that I, I continue to just be so appreciative of what they do for young people. And especially through the last, you know, nine, 10 months with, you know, feeding, feeding families to, you know, providing, uh, you know, resources for families of, of children getting to places and doing things and being able to be active and just been so impressed with the leadership team over there of what they're doing for the young kids in our community that, uh, boy, what an honor and just really grateful you, Chris, that you guys are doing that. And obviously this great sponsor is doing that. So certainly appreciative, but the utmost respect and appreciation for what's going on here with the, with the boys and girls clubs here in Ames. Matt, I appreciate your time. I know that you don't do this very often anymore, so I really appreciate it and stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. And, um, hopefully do, um, uh, you can get a little like tiger King, get a little, uh, did you ever finish the Tiger King last time you you and Eric had started it? Did you ever finish yeah, it? Yeah, we we started. It was hard for me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, there, it it was hard. It was hard. But uh, what are you on? What's the Netflix series for the off season? You know what? So so the one thing that the the Campbell crew we usually we're going like old school. So right now we're we're in Who's the Boss? That's what we're. <laughs> Um, we're working through that right now. So that that that's where we're at between that and 
trying to watch my Cleveland Cavs rebuild right now. Those are the two things that the Campbell crew are on. Right I actually now. was thinking about you was a couple months ago. I So it was leading up to the election, and I just I couldn't do it anymore. Everything on TV was just negative. I was just done. So when I wasn't watching football, I went back on the WWE Network and started watching every Monday Night Raw started yeah. in 1996. Yeah. And I'm yeah. already up to like 1998. It's just kind of like background noise for me. Yeah. Your your boys would love that. Because you, you show oh. them how it was like real back in the day. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you'll appreciate this, Chris. And, and, and this is funny that you say that. Number one is that was one of the things we found over quarantine was the WWE Network. So nice. so <laughs> we have we have watched all of all of all of it, all the main events, all the summer slams. We've been back through all of those things. So it's nice. been great. And in a matter of fact, my my guy Rudy this morning, he had like this uh, this sweatshirt, which who knows where he got it from, and it was like red and black stripe. But it's it like, man, you look like Bam Bam Bigelow. So we, we had to watch before he left for school today. We watched a, a Bam Bam Bigelow match. So I knew you would you would love that. You'd be proud of that. I I am. I uh, got a lot of pride in that. Coach, yeah. appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, thank you for your time and wisdom as always. No, Chris, thanks for having me. I appreciate everything you do.